Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to SENZ and the summer special with Stephen McIver on this 28th day of December for 2023 and a lot to happen inside the next 60 minutes I can tell you to say the least uh, we're going to have two looks at well, we're going to have two looks at the Joseph Parker experience and the Day of Reckoning side. We're going to hear from Mike Angov, who's going to talk about what he thought of Joseph Parker's performance, but also talk to his manager, David Higgins. But we're going to interrupt that in, uh, halfway through, and we're going to talk basketball and the, the re-emergence, the re-emergence of the BNZ Breakers and how they have suddenly found their mojo, found their groove, and are looking good as they start to inch into that that play-in tournament, that, that potential playoff uh, situation as the Australian NBL continues on. So we'll have some highlights from their latest win against the Brisbane Bullets and hear from Modi Mayor, their coach, after the uh, the game in the press conference. So there's, there's a lot to get through, so let us not muck around. Now, Mike Angove is arguably the best fight sport analyst in New Zealand, and he was in the Day of Reckoning camp. He was looking after Junior Farr, who just happened to be training with Deontay Wilder. And Mike joins us right now. Uh, happy festive season, mate. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good to be back in New Zealand. We've been away a long time, uh, five weeks. So um, good to be back. We made it back on Christmas Day, um, which was which was great. It was uh, sort of 24 hours uh, of flying and travelling. So yeah, good to be back. <laughs> yeah, the size says a lot. Um, d- are you disappointed with uh, Junior's result, losing to Sanchez? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, there's no question. Um, I mean, short camp, we only had about five weeks to prepare for it. 
Um, and against a guy who's had uh, well over 200 amateur fights, you know, was, uh, you know, Cuban world champion, etc., ranked in top mm. five of all the sanctioning bodies. So that was always going to be a tough fight. But we, we felt we had opportunities there. Um, and uh, we, we just started to, to uh, make some progress, but we also made a mistake. And unfortunately, that's what happens in the heavyweight game. We made a mistake and we couldn't recover from that sixth round knockdown. So uh, really unfortunate for Junior. Um, but the time I spent with him um, and the other trainers, Doug Viney, also spent with him, uh, just shows me that she's got a lot more to offer uh, still. There's, uh, there's a lot of polishing that can happen with Junior Farr. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't write him off just yet. Yeah, well, you, well, you knew that was the follow-up question, where to now. So do you think because the heavyweight division is seemingly pretty active and wide open, there are still more chances for Junior? Um, I think you have to be ready to take opportunities as and when they come up. Um, he's obviously he's had three losses uh, now out of his last four but uh, let's have a quick look at those losses one was the unanimous points loss to Joseph Parker um, so there's no shame in that as Joseph just beat, beat Deontay over the weekend um, then uh, there was the flash knockdown uh, well not really a flash knockdown but against uh, Lucas Brown now people forget Lucas Brown was also a WBA world champion um, and uh, Jim Junior got caught by a huge punch on the back of the head in the first round. Uh, got caught cold and, and didn't recover. Um, and the other the other loss, obviously, to Sanchez at the weekend, also a guy in the top tier. So, you know, he's he's there or, or thereabouts. Um, but certainly, we need to uh, just find a, a pathway to um, to making sure that. That we, uh, you know, can take victory and the, with these guys uh, right, right in the top tier. And there's only millimeters um, and milliseconds yeah. in that game at the top level. And uh, a lot of people don't really have an idea of um, how, how difficult it is to, to operate at that at that level. What needs to change for Junior to say get back to the top table, so to speak, and and be a potential contender? Um, he's got all the physical tools. Um, and and I think it's it's just now uh, being able to train with the intensity required. Uh, again, that was a short camp; it was a five-week camp. Uh, so you know we we were always behind the eight ball, particularly when you're going up against a guy like Sanchez, who's uh, essentially in a 52-week camp. He, he's fought several times uh, in the past 18 months. Um, he's in Canelo Alvarez's camp. Uh, you know, so mm-hmm. so he's he he's he's more than ready. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's some things there uh, that, that we can work on and uh, just make sure that, that we're ready now because there are chances that, that he could get called up. Um, obviously, um, you know, the, the next step is keeping ourselves ready, improving the skills and, uh, and perhaps a, a, a another, another fight um, early next year uh, to, to get rid of the cobwebs and, and go through a full camp and then looking at uh, at February, March, um, you know, if there's an opportunity that comes up. Mike, what I'm really keen to know from your own personal experience, uh, Junior was part of Deontay Wilder's camp. Did you see Deontay Wilder's loss to Joseph Parker coming at any time during that, those five weeks? Um, look, so so before I answer that, yep. I'll, I'll qualify it. Um, you know, 
we're professionals, so there's, there's what what occurs in camp stays in camp. Okay, fair play. Um, so I, I won't go into to that kind of detail. Also, let's be fair, we were in a slightly awkward position because you know we, we're Kiwis. Um, and Joseph's obviously a Kiwi, and uh, were, were we not in camp with Deontay, it'd be pretty clear where our support lay. So, um, but if you're asking me as an analyst looking at that yes. fight, uh, you have Deontay, he's had time out of the ring. Uh, that, that's the first thing. You've had Tyson Fury uh, back him up for pretty much three fights and lay out a game plan to, to victory to, to avoiding that right hand, albeit that he got dropped four times in those fights. Mm. Um, so, you know, still, still extremely dangerous. Um, Andy Lee was Joe's trainer. Andy Lee is obviously Tyson's trainer. Um, so you're talking about a very smart man who, who knows how to put game plans together. Uh, and tactically, he made sure... Um, he stayed. He wasn't running away from Tyson. He was uh, moving inside the power of that right hand, inside his length, not giving him the chance to punch down with with great leverage. Um, it, you know, my feeling as a as a betting man was that Joseph Parker would have been a really good bet prior to that fight, just simply because um, you know uh, Deontay has been outboxed before by by fast-handed fighters, but he's always found the finish. Um, you know, but but Joe's got a got a very good chin. Um, he he's fought regularly. That was his fourth fight, and yeah. I think about sixteen months. Um, and uh, you know, he's got a great team behind him. He's reinvigorated, if if, if you like. Also, the other thing is, uh, and this is something I objected to from a, a couple of journalists who who described his career as you know teetering on the brink or you know, pull, pulling pulling back from the from the edge of extinction. I couldn't think of what a bigger load of yeah, BS yeah. in my life. Um, because Joe has lost one fight in his last 11 fights. Okay, and that was to Joe Joyce. Yes, it was a stoppage. Um, you know, it was a tough fight. But styles make fights at this top level. And people... Uh, forget that. So they, they 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 were thinking of Joe versus Joe Joyce, uh, as opposed to how Joe's skills match up to Deontay Wilder's skills. And uh, that's an analysis that needs to take place. Um, you know, and here's the other thing: Joe has lost to in his career uh, three fighters. Joe Joyce, no shame in that. Okay. Yeah. AJ, well, that was for the unified world title, so so not too not too bad. And Dillian White, okay, and that was a highly controversial fight where yes. he got headbutted and, and and lost about four rounds because he was so out of it, mm. um, you know, and almost got him out of there. So you've got to just go. Well, hang on, there's this guy who you know who by age 26 had a world title. He's 31 years old, so he's not even hitting his heavyweight prime yet, or he's roundabout on the on the precipice of that heavyweight prime. Um, so people have got to analyze that and, and be real about it. And he's changed his trainer. He's got Andy Lee behind him. And uh, about four fights in, he's, he's starting to develop a, a style in the system and a, um, you know, a, a synergy with, with coaches, oh, yes. um, you know, which we can now start to see. It's very obvious too, but I, I don't think I have seen Joseph Parker put on a performance like that, honestly, ever. In the sense that, and to take what you have said, styles make fights. It was so beautifully executed. Where I and I thought 
yeah, okay. And everybody's saying, oh, yeah, you've got to avoid the right. Well, he avoided the right beautifully and then he worked the body over and then, then in round eight he exploded. In your opinion, would that be mm. his best result barring the world title win against Ruiz? Oh, oh, look, certainly. I mean, you put you put them both up there. You know, Deontay is, uh, you know, one of the hardest punchers, if not the hardest puncher of all time. Um, you know, you'd, you'd put him in, in your top three, um, unless you were nuts. <laughs> and uh, Andy Ruiz, well, Andy Ruiz, let's not forget, knocked out Anthony Joshua. So you've got to put those two alongside each other, yeah. you know. Um, you know, you add in a, a pair of victories against Derek Chisora as well. Um, he's, he's not looking too bad, um, <laughs> is, is Joe, you know. Not yeah, too he, shabby. He lost, he, he lost to Joe Joyce, but Joe Joyce is an extremely awkward kind of guy and that was definitely a styles make fights kind of thing uh joyce is he relies on taking punishment a lot um and joe is a solid puncher but he's not an absolutely devastating puncher joe joyce couldn't walk up like that on mm. deontay wilder because you know he gets back um and zhang is a big man as well who um who sparked joe joyce twice um because he's a much harder puncher um but if you look at the punching stats um, before Joe got stopped, he was landing as much, if not more, than uh, than Joe Joyce. He just he just wore Joseph Parker down. So again, styles make fights at the top level. You have to look at the matchups as as much as you you look at the mythology around a fighter, and that's what makes a difference in that analysis. Who do you want to see Parker fight next? Um, oh, look, it's 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 interesting. I think he I think he he would like that AJ fight. Um, obviously, there was talk about um, AJ and Wilder before Joseph spoiled the party. Um, you know, uh, I, I imagine Ruiz will, would want to would want a rematch. That's when he wants to get back. Um, but if if I'm Joe right now, I'm looking uh, for for a big money fight. I'm looking for a fight where I can you know, really take advantage of the the conditions that exist now in, in Saudi Arabia in particular. Um, you've got a round robin of very good heavyweights, and uh, there's some great opportunities for him. Um, I think ideally he wouldn't mind getting that shot back at AJ. Yeah, and what did you my, think? What did you uh, think of AJ idea. against uh, Wallen? Yeah, I, look, I, I thought Wallen was limited. I didn't think he really had the the punch to keep uh, AJ off him, um, or the or the speed. He's he's a good southpaw. He's he's, he's a very orthodox southpaw, if that makes sense. Um, but people forget. Um, you know, AJ had just come off two camps for Usyk, and Usyk is you know one of the best southpaws, uh, not just in the world, but he's probably one of the best southpaws you know, um, you know that we've seen hmm. um, certainly in the in the top um, heavyweight ranks. There's very few others. He's a better southpaw than Michael Mora, for example, who held a held a heavyweight version of the title. He's certainly better than Charles Martin. Um, so. You know, Usyk is is I think pegged to potentially be one of the greats if uh, if he continues with his success. So people have to factor that in. Wallen's southpaw advantage wasn't an, as much of an advantage because basically uh, AJ spent you know the last uh, year or so you know preparing in camps for a southpaw. There, I'm not I'm not going to let you get away without a couple of things. The one thing that stood out for me is Jay Opatire. Uh putting Zorro to the deck in round one. Uh, you know, forfeited his IBF belt, but he didn't seem too worried about that. Is he uh, on the on the verge, the brink, 
of stardom? I, I, I think so. I mean, you know, let's have a shout out to, to um, you know, our, our Polynesian athletes. Um, you know, Jay, Junior, Joseph, hmm. uh, two Samoans and a Tongan, all fighting on the world stage on one card. Um, and it is surreal. Let me tell you, you you're walking around. You know, you're just going for your, your breakfast, and there's AJ over there, and you know, I've just been in camp with Deontay, and oh look, there's Gerald Miller and Daniel Dubois, you know, and, and over there at the dessert bar. This this is what it was like, uh, you know. Um, and uh, so we certainly live a life less ordinary. Talk to me. Is Saudi Arabia the new Vegas? I do not think it is even close to the Satan's den that is Vegas. Um, <laughs> but, but as far as a, as far as a boxing mecca now, oh, watch the word, word mecca as well. Yeah, um, yeah. If you excuse the pun, yeah. Look, I, I certainly think there are, there are things happening in Saudi Arabia uh, with with what they're doing. They've got the money to 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 put these things on, um, and if you like, you've kind of got a uh, an angel investor. Um, who can afford to to bring their shows together, and you know perhaps the, these ones are, are lost leaders initially. Um, certainly, they've got you know all the resources to be able to 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 break the mould, if you like, and probably break the the stronghold or the stranglehold that some of the sanctioning bodies have over um, you know certain divisions. Certainly, the, the heavyweight division. Um, so, yeah, look, this this. Might be a very fleeting time in, in, in boxing, but we certainly have to take advantage of it. It might go on and, and uh, you know establish an, an ongoing legacy. I, I don't know, um, but right now we're we're taking part in something that's quite special for boxing. It hasn't really happened on this scale previously, so uh, just happy to be a part of it if that makes sense. Yeah, well, you you should be too. Uh, just one final thought. Let's just switch our attention to uh, the UFC. I know you're very good mates with uh, Israel Adesanya. Is 2024 another year where he uh, again uh, takes care of the headlines and does the job? Oh, we just need to, you know, we just need to to wait and see um, what what's happening there. Um, you know, Israel has already himself said, you know, 22 27 was a, a bit of anathema. He was just throwing that out there. Um, I think you have to look at it from a from a, just an analytical point of view. Um, he's been extremely busy, you know, fighting three, four times a year in title fights. He's, he's been the most active champ, um, you know, in, mm. in recent times by by a long stretch, and that doesn't come without, um, you know. Uh, putting strain on on both the, the body and and also the mind. You know, you, when you're constantly in and out of camp, um, you do need sometimes to you know, take a moment to refresh yourself. So, um, you know, um, I think if uh, I think if the the result against Strickland doesn't suggest something, um, you know, you, you, it, it, it's talking to us, and uh, you just have to listen. You know, heal the body. Um, refresh yourself and uh, get ready to go again when uh, you know when all the uh, when all the right bits and pieces yeah. tick into place. What was your highlight for 2023 in the fight world? Uh, for me personally, it was the Alex Pereira knockout. Um, it's been a crazy year. Uh, you know, um, obviously, I've just come back from the you know the, the Saudi heavyweight tournament. Hemi Ahio fought in Oklahoma. Uh, Kevin Jusay fought in Vegas while we were there, you know, with a, with a great win. Mm. Um, you know, there's so much. But 
for for me the uh, the low light was Israel uh, getting stopped by Alex Pereira in the fifth round when he was well ahead on points, and the highlight was was coming back, um, you know, to to knock him out uh, in the second round with a move that was very much planned, um, which you know people uh, people may underestimate that, but it was it was very much um, you know worked on prior to that fight so that's a pretty amazing experience and just being part of that crowd and, and seeing Alex uh, get knocked out the way he did um, you know that's uh, that's an iconic moment that will go down in UFC history um, you, you can't uh, replicate those moments so, so that was pretty crazy so for me that's definitely a highlight Ah, well, you deserve to enjoy those highlights with the amount of work you put on at CKB and all the other fighters, Mike. Hey, thanks for your time, bud. No worries. Uh, great to chat, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. Mike Angov with his thoughts on the big day of reckoning on December 23 out of Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. We're going to get a closer look at who Joseph might fight next with his manager, David Higgins, before this December 28 SENZ special is done and dusted. So stay with us right here. As Daniel tracks that down. Bannon will go again. Is, is there any worse place to be in a basketball court right now? No, it's not very far. So up top, he's done a good job, but offloads. Oh, no, can't hit. Gets the follow. Bannon's the, man, the man with two left hands and loves it and loves an offensive rebound. I love your work, Dane. I like where this is going. I think this could be an absolute bang and a finish. I think it will be. I think it's going to be close and contested, but I was just thinking, Lamb, I think we will uh, yeah. Bannon's turnaround won't go. Modi Mayor presenting the opportunity. Mantis Rupstavichis, he's taking it, taking it with both hands. Say his name, Rowdy. Say his name. Sometimes get to me, but you have to manage it, and he's got a great support system around him. He's a great human being, and he's an amazing basketballer, and we're seeing a full display of MVP Roscon once again. Charisma dodge a bullet, giving up an open three to the Arthur, but another creator, someone who can put the offense on his back, create things for others, score himself out of pick and roll as Banning goes to work. Mainly looks up, runs up for Banning or Bannon or Scott. Oh, yeah, Stats and he's only put up one shot with everyone watching at home, but let's not undersell how important this game is for both teams in their season. Bannon steps inside and knocks it down as the shot clock expires. Six point break is late. Rupstevich just dumps it off to Panay. If you wouldn't have guessed, he's great around that basket finishing and laying that ball off to some of those key players out there for Brisbane. One point game. Rupstevich off to Lamb, working on Zakarski, gets that to go. That is a tough finish. Norton snakes his way inside and scores. Bullets back in front. New Zealand just let it settle, get a good set. Brisbane trail by four at halftime. Keep them underneath, goes up and over. Yeah, you do. Coming down on the right side for him to be able to elevate over the defense and finish at the rim. 
Is Anthony Lamb doing just that? He's not going to be out for much longer. Breaker ball. His right hamstring, Derek. It looks like it's right. Oh, he's kicked him underneath, slams it home. He's putting an exclamation point on this game. We know he doesn't need much of it. It's a 12-1 run down the stretch here for the Breakers. And they continue to pile the paint on Brisbane with that margin at 10 points. Jackson can't run underneath. Every point counts. You know, last game, we see Isaiah Liapa, 15 points tonight. Scoreless, but makes it more dangerous. And the Breakers go into Brisbane and get another win as they continue to build into this season. Yeah, continue to build into the season, the BNZ Breakers. Three wins on the trot now, 81-75. Their record now sits at 7-9. The Bullets are 7-11. So they're, they're closing in on what is known as the play-in tournament. Well, Finn James joins me, right? It is James. Yeah, it is Finn James. Yeah, I, I, he's terrible. I'm terrible. He's my producer. Uh, but he's our basketball guru as well. Play-in tournament. Just explain to me when people are looking at the, the ladder on the ANBL and they see play-in tournament, which starts at position six or five six position six what exactly is that for a start so the top six teams get put into a playing tournament essentially and the top two teams at this point it's melbourne and i'm pretty sure sydney kings yep. they will automatically go through to the semi-finals and then from the third to sixth position they'll play in the sort of like a playing tournament okay so it's so it's a bit similar to the nrl where uh if you win week one let's just say the top two teams have won week one they go straight to the semi-finals and the other other four teams battle it out there'll be one elimination game and then what and then the other three will play you know two two plays three yada yeah, okay. yeah so yeah. i get it. so this is what what surprised me is the only thing a lot of people were writing off the bnz breakers after their stunning season last time out What's changed? Is it the fact that uh, Cheatham is back? Uh, does has that made that was his first game back too? So from that leg fracture, so uh, is that a big difference? I think it's just that there's been less disruptions in the past few rounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, three games in a row has been excellent for the Breakers, considering they just weren't really finding their groove this season. Unfortunately, I think it mostly just came down to injuries, disruptions, just a lot of things going on behind the scenes, I'm assuming. But, I mean, three in a row against, you know, teams that are actually climbing up the ladder as well has been great. And now that everyone's back, I'm assuming, man, this could be a massive momentum shift. And if they can sneak into that playing tournament, I really do think they can cause some havoc in the uh, in the playoffs. Did you see this coming? Not really. I, 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 I wanted to be optimistic, but I was a bit nervous considering how poor they had been this year. But I mean, I was I was happy with how Parker Jackson, Cartwright, and Anthony Lamb were playing, but it was just the rest of the team that weren't stepping up. But I mean, look, last three games they've been playing well with Will McDowell, White back, and Zylan Cheatham. I mean, there's a big ceiling for these boys. Fendelani, what's the go there though? He's still out for another, I think, five weeks with a uh, pulled calf. Obviously, he'll be back for the playoffs if they do make it. I'm pretty sure, and he's a massive piece. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, disruptions after disruptions with this team, unfortunately, but. Yeah, I mean, him being out, it does suck. However, he was only <laughs> averaging about 10 points a game. So, I mean, okay. we can we can definitely still make a push with the team we got. I think the, I think the big thing here for me is how Modi Mayor has never really got down on the team, right? He's, you know, he has been under enormous pressure, and, and so he should be. He's the coach of a team that made the grand final last time. Have you been impressed the way he's gone about his business? He doesn't... He doesn't normally just jump out and bark, does he? No, I mean, I'm incredibly impressed. He's always had faith in his team. I, I guess what's going on in training is very positive, and sometimes it doesn't translate to the game court, but 
he's obviously just stayed so optimistic and just taking it every game at a time and and now we're stringing some wings wins together he's obviously very very happy and he's seeing some very positive things from these boys and as you and i have discussed before out in the office momentum is everything so that's three in a row for the bnz breakers 81 71 and he just outside that plant on him but but their coach uh, liked a lot of what he saw clinical tonight slow first half um couple chances for you guys to pull away what did you like about the team's effort tonight like this game a lot um last few wins for us have been through offense ball was moving we had great rhythm brisbane don't let you play like that level of physicality and the quality that they have on the defensive end is real and we were able to win a game that you needed to kind of gut out, tough out, which is great. It's a, it's a huge stepping stone for us. We never make excuses. We don't like talking about these things. But we got in at 2 a.m. yesterday to Brisbane. Our flight got delayed. We were up in the air. We got, there was a thunderstorm. We got diverted to the Gold Coast. We got stuck there and there. But we got to our hotel at 2 a.m. yesterday. Um, and I told the guys in the shooter, I was really proud of them. They came into shooter, I'm super focused. And I think a lot of teams would have kind of given up or used it as an excuse and they didn't they came in gutted it out this was a game that was won through effort and these things make it harder to play with effort and i'm really happy they overcame you guys got three three in a row chasing four next week what's what will be your number one focus going into the tasmania game played them a few times this is kind of our rivalry series so we play them four times in a season as good of a team as it gets extremely well coached Potent offensively, disruptive defensively. They pose a great challenge. Uh, it's not about four in a row for us. It's about having a good practice in two days and building on that. Modi, it was great to see Zylan back playing, but even better to see him have such an impact. For him to, to be able to do that down the stretch in that game and to be such a big part of that 12 no run that closed the game out, that's, that's a hell of a return from him. And he's pretty good at basketball. <laughs> he is, but I mean... It's one thing to have him back, but to have an immediate impact on your winning, what does that say about him? It was great. Um, what I liked was the level of focus that he played with in the fourth quarter. He didn't play great at the beginning. It took him time to kind of get into rhythm. Um, he got every cover right. Um, he was big on the boards. He played. He finished plays on offense. That's great. But he was he was very impactful in all of the places where sometimes it takes a little rhythm to catch. Um, and he didn't miss a beat. He's so focused. He's so committed. He was like an assistant coach for us when he was hurt. I'm not really surprised, honestly. I mean, from your point of view, how well do you think those two will be able to work together? I mean, I think this team is working together uh, pretty well. Um, not Anthony and Zylan and not Parker and anybody and not Will and Dane, I think, as a unit. When we let the ball move and we create multiple actions, means we're playing in an unselfish manner where everybody creates a little advantage and moves it on to the next guy, then... The talent shines. It doesn't matter if it's Anthony or Zylan or Mantas or Dane or Parker or Will. It's all the same. As long as we create this advantage and keep the ball moving and rolling and have good momentum in these situations, then yeah, Anthony will look good with Zylan, but everybody will. BNZ Breakers coach Modi Maior, honest as always. Yeah, that's the one thing you will get out of him, and he should be happy. They're currently running at 7-9 and nine after that 81-71 win against the Brisbane Bullets. Their next game is on New Year's Day in Tasmania against the Jack Jumpers, and as we speak, they're sitting uh, number three on the table. So another strong battle, and they have to go on the road. And I think they've got a pretty average record, don't they, against the Tasmanian Jays, J- Jack Jumpers. That's a, I, I, I think that's one of their Arkley's 
Peel stadiums to play it, if I'm correct. I remember, yeah, I am right, aren't I, Fun? They don't like playing there. Well, no, because they spent a lot of time uh, during that COVID lockdown seasons. They had to play in Tassie, yeah. and uh, they were the darker days for the breakers <laughs> in the last three or four seasons. So, uh, yeah, no, they don't enjoy playing in Tassie. Uh, let's talk about new beginnings then and move on. Stick around. Uh, Joe Parker's manager is not too far away on this December 28 SENZ Summer Special. That famous boxing sound made famous by Rocky, the Eye of the Tiger and Rising Up. Well, that's something that Joseph Parker did on the Day of Reckoning on December 23 and read. He rose up and was only the second man to defeat Deontay Wilder, the Brown Bomber, the man who they called Dr. Sleep before the fight. He was going to put Joseph to sleep. Get to bring it. What did he say at the press conference? Oh, just make sure you bring a nice pillow, mate. Well, it was uh, not that way, and Joseph Parker shocked the world with that stunning just clinical win, beautifully done, and avoided being hammered by that right. Well, his manager has been his manager for as long as I can remember, and that is David Higgins. And David joins us now on this uh, summer series here on SENZ. And David, I've got to ask this question. From an emotional point of view, you're sitting in the front row. How did that win feel for you? It made me feel very satisfied and very relieved and also delighted did you see it coming yeah yeah i had that gut feeling that after 20 years of promotion events you you hit some home runs whether it's boxing or our richard branson dinner the nrl auckland nines Mm. Uh, this one i had that feeling because i could just see the utter focus and dedication that Joseph was bringing to the table, leaving no stone unturned with the the team, bringing in George Lockhart, his nutritionist, fitness coach, as well as Andy Lee, and, the, and then just um, giving it a hundred percent, really. And and I think that combined with the you know, the not getting the rub of the green a couple of times, mm-hmm. like the Billy White fight, 
Yeah. Um, I thought we were due a bit of luck. And then finally, Wilder, I think that um, he'd only fought around in a couple of years and he'd already fought, signed a contract to fight Joshua next. And it's kind of taking your eye off the ball a bit. And the bookies, they wrote Joseph off, really. So I thought, wow, you know, Wilder's showing up in Saudi Arabia at only a week's notice. Joseph was there two weeks out to acclimatize. Hmm. Wilder's already thinking about fighting Anthony Joshua, being paid a telephone number, <laughs> having only fought one round. And I thought he's, I thought, I think Joseph's going to do it this time. And, and he did. And, you know, I was sitting front row at the Joshua fight, very frustrating night, front row at the Dillian White fight, the most frustrating night. And so it was, you know, beautiful that it went our way for once. <laughs> Actually, and, and, yeah. and beautiful is a lovely word to use, you know, David, because I've spoken to uh, Mike Angove and, and many people that love their fight sports. And honestly, I can honestly say, and we've been around together a long, long time, I don't think I've seen... Joe execute a fight as good as that. Hundred percent, I agree. It was the complete performance where he really did come to fight. Like he really pushed the envelope, um, dominated centre ring, brought the attack to Wilder constantly, adapted, ducked under that swinging hard punch of Wilder quite mm. a few times, ducked and clinched to evade the knockout shot, attacked. And, um, you know, and then that's that looping overhand right he threw was a new punch, really, that hasn't done much before, and it connected. So it was a very intelligent, adaptive fight that, and he maintained being present mm. in the moment for 12 rounds. And I haven't seen that before from Joseph. So for me, it's his best ever performance. Sitting in the front row, what were the remarks being made around you after the decision was given? Well, no, we already knew, you see. It was obvious. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it was so dominant and one-sided, it would have had to have been the robbery of the century by the judges not to give it to Joseph. So we we kind of knew his arm would go up. Um, but I can tell you we were sitting on the edge of our seats till the very end, especially in round 12 where Joseph could have um, sort of sat back yeah. a bit, still taking some risks. And we were all worried that Wilder might land that sledgehammer in the last yeah. five seconds and pull <laughs> off the, the sort of, you know, the, up, the, the comeback of the century. But it, no, um, Joseph came through. Yeah, I avoid, you, you're not one to show your emotions uh, outwardly. You're very sort of quiet individual and I've asked you right at the beginning of this chat you know how did you feel but do you get emotional let's just say internally in moments like this knowing that you've been with him for such a long long time and suddenly suddenly he's truly back in the heavyweight title contender equation well yeah I mean I was nervous during the event not not overly because I've been to a lot of them Mm. but I did feel some nerves. I was aware of the gravity of the occasion, and some events are higher pressure than others. <clears throat> and you know, the only other one that was a cauldron of pressure on the global stage at that level was the Joshua fight. Yeah. And psychologically, to win one of those makes you stronger forever. And so I think Joseph will have a lasting psychological benefit from this. The other thing is, I feel like the magic is back. So right now. I'm I'm more excited now than I was during the fight or so at the end. The, that feeling of magic 
is back, is be, has been with us ever since, all of our team. We feel it right now, and we can't wait to see the year ahead. It's a, it's a tough old game because it's, it's, it's measured in moments, it's measured in millimetres, it's measured in one punches. Talking to Joseph afterwards... And it's pretty hard to, for you to sort of to now sit back and think about it. Where do you think his head's at? I, I think, um, I think it was we, it was all it was sinking in a bit. Is how the rest of us felt. Mm. And and you know, on the flight back, Joseph and I exchanged a few words where we were just going, "Wow, you know, you know." <laughs> at the beginning, when when he didn't go to the Commonwealth Games or the Olympics, and we chucked him in against Dean Garman's way, the Hamilton school teacher in 2012 on the Monty Barrett Shane Cameron card. That's right. And we, we were both sort of reminiscing, going, "Did we ever think we'd end up in Saudi Arabia yeah. beating Dante Wilder?" And the answer was a resounding no, <laughs> no way. <laughs> we were sort of marvelling at where boxing has taken us. I mean, I might ne- have never visited Saudi Arabia, for example, taken us to places we might never go. Mm. But, um, you know, we, I did think Joseph would become world champion. I kind of felt that early on. But, you know, to, to go through the wilderness a bit as he has and then come back right to the top was heartwarming. And, and you know, towards the end of the flight back, we were we were feeling quite, I guess, satisfied would be a good word. With the with the trip, with the whole camp, with the performance. So the question now remains: Is uh, I re- reinvigorated Joe? Although let's be blunt, he hasn't lost to too many people, and the ones he's lost to are actually very, very, very good fighters. Who would you like to line up next? I mean, and and I'll, I'll add a, an extra question onto this one: Another rematch with Joshua? Is that something that you want? Hundred percent. I I I I mean what I said earlier in that Joseph put together the complete performance, and he also broke through a psychological barrier where, when he's got to that high global pressure level, he hasn't quite made it before. This time, he made it on yeah. worldwide TV against one of the most dangerous opponents of all time, and and put together the complete performance. I think we'll see more of that from Joseph. He wants to fight for three more years. And I think we might see a Joseph as good as last Saturday every fight for the next three years. What does that mean? I think he can win the world title again and maybe even hold it for a bit. And, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful to go back and avenge the three defeats? So during the next three years, Joshua again, Joyce again, and Dillian White again, and then finish having beaten everyone you faced. That would be wonderful. So absolutely, we take Joshua next. I'm not sure whether... It's mutual. There might be easier fights for Joshua out there. But the other, the other wonderful thing is that the, um, the decision makers in Saudi Arabia were sitting front row too, um, Turkey Al Sheikh and other yeah. um, decision makers who would have loved what they saw. And so Joseph will be top of mind as someone that is easy to make a deal with, comes to fight and is very pleasant outside of the ring. So that, that, that's really good, too, in terms of the future plan. Do you see Saudi Arabia as being the new Vegas, the new centre of boxing, and, and particularly heavyweight boxing? Do, do you get the impression Saudi Arabia has a real thirst for boxing? No, it will be the new Vegas. That, that, that is going to happen, I would say. So you'll see the centre of gravity for all the biggest 
boxing events move to Saudi Arabia, at least for the foreseeable future, and you'll see some mega events happen there, and we'll, everyone will get used to it. Mm. And, and, you know, um, so is, is that a good thing? I think it is, because normally politics yeah. um, stifle boxing, and it's impossible to make the big fights quickly. Like, it can take months or years and then there's all these rematch clauses and option agreements. Yeah. Um, the Saudis have cut through all that crap by laying down just enough money that it gets rid of all that crap. Like you, 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 you lay down. You know, you offer you offer Anthony Joshua X amount to fight on December twenty four three, right? Yeah. Normally, normally him and his team will go, Nah, it's Christmas. We don't want to fight at Christmas. <laughs> but then if you put down enough money, he'll go, yep, I'll fight at Christmas. Yeah. Or, you know, I want a rematch. But if you put down enough money, ah, okay, we'll do it without a rematch. Um, and so on and so forth. So I'm not saying the Saudis are silly. I think they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And they're, they're laying down just enough money that clears away the obstacles and gives the public, the worldwide public, what they want to see, which is the best fighting the best or the big fights and that's really how what ufc is sort of got is that kind of best versus the best it's a semi-monopolistic organization i think you'll see the same with boxing courtesy of saudi arabia david have you thought past joseph you mean in terms of other boxers yeah yeah, um, you know, I've got I've got a few other irons in the fire. Joseph and I have become personal friends. I love him like a brother, and we've been through a lot. Um, and so that's it's great to still be part of that journey. I'm grateful to Joseph yeah. that I'm still part of it, and that, and he's coming into a purple patch. Um, I haven't really, um, I don't sit around fantasizing about becoming the king of boxing promotion, <laughs> a whole lot of other fighters. I, I, can't, I can't see you as that. I don't think that's in your, no. it's in your DNA. And, and, and the other thing I've learned about myself, I don't like doing the same thing twice. It gets boring. So even, um, I've got a wonderful team. So even I'll say, I'll, um, so we, I like creating new events. And yep. in boxing, we've, we've won the title. We've done a few things. By the way, never say never, though. Like there are a couple of, young guys we're helping out that we would potentially work with. Yeah. But for now, it's, it's all about Joseph Parker. Oh, well, we'll leave it at that. David, uh, I, I believe that you are uh, going to uh, do some trekking over these hollows. Is that right? Actually put some hard work in with carrying babies on your back. Is that right? Yes. I, I landed from Saudi Arabia la, last night and flew to Abel, uh, Nelson this morning and walked a third of the Abel Tasman and then another <laughs> third tomorrow carrying small children. My word, you are a changed man, but you are always a pleasure to talk to. Uh, before it gets out of the way, uh, Happy New Year, and uh, we look forward to hearing more good news on the JP front. The same to you, Stephen. Good to talk again. Thank you. You've been listening to David Higgins, manager of Joe Parker. Well, it just so happens that uh, tomorrow, December 29, Joe Parker will be on this uh, SNZ Summer Special. We'll chat to him about that win and where he thinks and who he thinks he should be fighting next in his professional career. He's uh, certainly having a plenty of downtime with his uh, family. Wife's pregnant again. I think it's number of a child number five. I think it's another girl too, which means he'll have five girls. We'll talk to him about that. Plus, we're going to give you some tips on how to get the most out of your barbecue and how you should be barbecuing things. That's uh, December 29 on SNZ Digital right here. So until then, take it easy and be safe on the road.